everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Day with Dateline. It's been so long, I almost forgot. We are coming back off a two-week, two-week, three-week? Two weeks. Two-week. It felt like longer. Hiatus for the holidays. Thank you for allowing us to do that. We so appreciate it. We did not take a single week off through all of 2021. So it was much appreciated. Thank you. It really was. And we will be planning better for 2022. Yes. So this week was a repeat. It will be a repeat. There was no dateline on. I said people were like skating or swimming or doing something. It's that time of year. The luge. Luging. They were luging all over the TV. I don't know what was happening. Curling. Oh, yeah. We are going to get to see curling again. I like curling. Yeah. So we picked a repeat called What Happened to the Beauty Queen. Now, I've wanted to do this one for years, like since we started the show. And it's never been online. I've never been able to find it online. And someone last week wrote on Twitter, will you guys please cover this episode? I said, I've been looking for it forever. If it's ever online, I will. And Dateline goes, it's on Peacock right now. And... (laughs) I was like, shade, Dateline. I check Peacock all the time. It must have been recently added. Apologies. So they have added new ones to Peacock. And I guess I didn't notice that it got added. So really happy about that. Yep. So this episode is season 21, episode 26. And it aired on February 23rd, 2013, which feels it felt like it was a very old episode. (laughs) Like it felt grainy almost. Like it was on a VCR. I realized that is, you know, how many years ago? That's nine years ago. So. But it only in some points. I think it's because they employed the use of slow-mo quite a bit, quite a bit more than normal. And so that sort of gives you that kind of grainy quality when people are walking into a courthouse in slow-mo. But then there are points where you can see every hair on Keith's head. That's true. And Keith doesn't age, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, it really is. He looks exactly the same. Identical. He also does some prime leaning in this episode, dressed in all black like a T-bird from Rydell High in proper leather jacket. In a proper leather motorcycle jacket. Yeah. Like he's like, hey, that was the fonts. I combined the fonts in Rydell High. It's fine. That seems correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts with Keith saying, Look at her. And I was like, whoa, Keith. Miss America. Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. Look at yeah. look at her. <laughs> is, that, is that how it goes? Maybe. Yeah. I think it's look at her, Miss America, as she walks or something like that. I don't remember. That sounds right. <laughs> look at her. Look at the young woman at the heart of our story. Can you see her vulnerability? By now, your first impression is locked in and is unlikely to change. And I was like, whoa, Keith, it's been 20 seconds. You assume that I am, okay, maybe that's true. Judgy. He assumes that you're judgy. He does. That you're quickly judging. Also, I'm sorry, I think it's here she is, Miss America. So apologies, I got it wrong in the new year right away. It's fine. Here she is. Press on. So he says, your first impression is locked in and unlikely to change. That's the way things were in Russettville, Arkansas, the town where first impression hardened like a patch of cement. Okay. First impressions die hard. And we have to ask, can they ever change? 
That's what his theme will be this whole episode. Like, remember that episode we did for Patreon where it was all the mousetrap and it was kept being the mousetrap B-roll footage? This is first impressions. He's going to mention it 17 times. Okay. I would like to know your first impression of me, if that's our, <laughs> that's our topic for today. <laughs> Rewind. And it better be nice and you better be kind about it. I thought you were cool and you had a cool voice. Oh, you thought I was cool? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. You were mysterious because you were new to school. Oh, it was. Yeah, I was the new girl. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought you were cool because I tried very hard to be your friend and then finally succeeded. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there was that. I thought you were very, very funny and I wanted to be funny like that. (laughs) That's how that went. By the way, it's there she is, Miss America. Oh, there she is. Okay. Years ago, Kevin Jones didn't give a fig who he impressed because a fig is the least amount that you could care something like just a I don't know what that because they're small. Can we just start saying that? I don't give a fig. I give a fig Newton because I prize fig Newtons above gold because they're delicious. They are very good unless they're stale and then they're terrible. It's like cardboard surrounding a weird thing that's too chewy. It doesn't taste like fig anymore. Is it like a patch of cement that's been hardened like a first impression? It's like a Russetville potato. <laughs> Russetville, Arkansas potato. <laughs> it's like a hockey puck with a chewy center. Terrible. Kevin Jones was going places. He was adored by his high school girlfriend, Nona Dirksmeyer, and they are in love. She is gorgeous, just stunning, and she's a beauty pageant queen and just local beauty. Everyone loved her. She looks to be so lovely. He is a goofball. Like he's a goober. I find him adorable because he's a ginger. And so it's my type. He's kind of looks very tall and like kind of awkward. Well, I mean, he looks a startlingly amount like Ron Weasley. He could have been his stand in. That's why I like him. He looks like Ron Weasley. That's all you need to say. Yeah. But so I find them slightly mismatched in that way, but that makes it even cuter to me. Yeah. He's, I think he's totally cute, but not like football stud. And she is a beauty queen. So she is the top of the pops, right? She's. Yeah. I would, in my mind, expect her, if she went to my high school, she'd be dating a total douchebag football player. Or the bad boy. The bad or a bad boy. And he seems like just a really nice guy. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Nona was troubled. She was given to bouts of emotional turmoil. I do not know what that means. It is very vague. It's like how they used to say women had hysterics or, oh, she's hysterical. She needs the vapors. Oh, she was hysterical. Okay, let's go with that. So sometimes Nona needed the vapors. But Nona's mom, Carol, liked Kevin. She thought he was very caring and very good for her. Kevin's parents loved Nona and they treated her like she was part of the family. So everyone got along and everyone was happy that they were a couple. He went off to college and they stayed in touch through a world of wireless late night cell chats and texts and emoticons. I was so impressed with Keith because he's so tech savvy. What year was this? It was 2005. What emoticons were in 2005? I think it was before emojis. It was when you'd put like a colon and then a parentheses and it would be a smiley face. Oh, what I do constantly. Is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an emoticon. 
Keeping it real. Or I think you put a three and that means butts. A three means butts? Which I know from Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. (laughs) One day in December 2005, it was Nona that didn't respond to him. And they had this thing. If he didn't write back to her, she would say, are you alive? And get on his case for not writing back. So he texted her, are you alive? But he didn't hear anything back. And... For two and a half years, they had been texting every day. So he was really worried. He was supposed to drive his mom, Janice, to a Christmas party that day. So he called his friend, Ryan, who delivers pizzas in the area. I have questions about this. And had him drive by the house to check on her. And Ryan said her car is there and the lights are on, but she's not answering the door. So Ryan waits for Kevin and Kevin drives over there with his mom. And the two guys go to the back of the house to investigate. My question is, does Ryan actively have pizzas in his car? Oh. Are they getting cold? Are they not going to arrive in 30 minutes or less? Can I eat the pizzas? I have lots of questions about the pizzas. Are you currently hungry? I really would like pizza. (laughs) Oh, I understand. All right. Then, then of course, it would preoccupy you. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Also, a guy named Ryan who delivers pizzas sounds pretty cute to me right now. Like, what does Ryan look like? He delivers me pizzas. But maybe greasy. He's greasy or his hands are greasy from the cheese. He just, he is his general thing. Oh, I don't really like that. That's not my thing. But I don't know. Ryan also could be a real good guy. And is like delivering pizzas to pay his way through junior college. I'm not sure about what Ryan's deal is. Yeah. But. I really would have appreciated just a one line from Keith that said it was a, a slow night at Sal's Pizzeria. Just a one line that's like that's what was happening or that Ryan said, hey, can you cover my shift real quick? And then went out to help his friend. Right. Because what happens to those pizzas is the company going to get yelled at and they're going to be like, sorry, our delivery driver is now involved in a murder. So your pizzas are going to be late. We're sending them with Chad because he is not involved in a murder currently. So he'll be there in an hour. That's kind of how I found out my movers weren't coming. Is that when I called, the woman calls me back and says, the driver's just had a surgery. (laughs) (laughs) And a surgery, an emergency surgery. It must have been. Emergency surgery. And I said, Oh, appendicitis. She goes, yeah, I think it was appendicitis. And I'm like, okay, well, that would make sense. Oh my yes, God. That would be an emergency surgery that you would not call in for because you were in so much pain. <laughs> oh my God. But it was a little like that. Is my pizza coming? No, he's in a murder now. He's in, he's with the police. Uh, yeah. He's with the police. There, there's been a murder. There's been a murder. <laughs> so anyways, we don't get any answers, questions about the pizza. And Sadly, Kevin and Ryan go to the back door. They open the glass door and they find Nona laying on the floor inside and she is dead. And it's tragic. She had her whole life ahead of her. Kevin's mom, we hear on 911, is crying hysterically. She was she thought of her as a daughter. So Kevin tries CPR. Nothing. It's too late. The police ask him to come with them to answer questions. And I was like, get a lawyer, Kevin. Just right now, get a lawyer. Immediately. Yes. So. But his mom's there. Yeah. And his mom doesn't say get a lawyer, I guess. They they didn't know. They don't watch Datelines. They're just town folk. They don't don't assume that he's going to get what's about to happen. 
right? They assume he's obviously incredibly distraught as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. No one does. They don't think that this could ever happen if you're not in the slightest involved with the murder. But let's ask Ryan Ferguson. We'll be ready. Yeah, I'll be ready. And if I'm not, because I am I am trusting and I want to help the police and I would volunteer a lot of information. I need you to be like, get shut it down, Kimberly, get a lawyer. I will burst through the room. She's going to not talk anymore. I'm her legal representative. Yeah, I'm just not I'm not going to say lawyer because that might get me in trouble. I'm going to say legal <laughs> representative or I'm your guardian. What What's the thing? Conservator. Conservator. I'll make something up. It'll be great. So they ask him questions. They make him lift up his shirt and they're looking for scratches. We're seeing it all on the interrogation room camera. And he's at various points. He's like punching a chair because he's so angry. And then at other points, he's crying. And at other points, he's talking to Nona saying like, why? What am I going to do? He's very upset. And the detective says, now, I'm not accusing you of anything. But did you hurt her tonight? (laughs) Kind of sounds like you're accusing him of something. And he says, I would rather kill myself than hurt her. And I was like, get an attorney, Kevin. Finally, they let him go home. And turns out Nona had been seeing other guys while Kevin was at college. I think this was an arrangement they had where they were still going to like date other people. But all of the guys had alibis. They ask Kevin to come back and they ask him to take a polygraph. And I was like, get a solicitor, Kevin. (laughs) Trying to think of every other word for attorney that I can think of. And he says, "Okay, I'll take a polygraph. And After the polygraph, a guy comes in and says, I have never seen anyone fail a test worse in 28 years, which is really bad. Get the a barrister, Kevin. Yeah. How old is Kevin? 2019. He's like, just went away to college. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't know. I don't know. Okay. But the polygraph, it seems almost. Would any 19 year old? pass a polygraph? Yeah, I think, well, there's a reason they're not admissible in court because they are not fail-proof, but there's a reason they use them to lead investigations because they do most of the time, or let's say 80% of the time, lead you in the direction you want to be going in when you're investigating. But that means that a lot of times they don't. But in this case, it sort of led them to a point where they were going to stop investigating other really important pieces of evidence and just focus on him. Okay, all right. Correct. Mm -hmm. The lead detective, Mark Frost, he's right away just, look, I know you did it. I know you did it. And he's like screaming at Kevin. I know you did it. This is his first homicide case, Mark Frost. And his first impression is that Kevin is the killer. Is Mark Frost related to Joe Frost, the super nanny? Oh, she would have handled this case a lot better. I have a feeling she handles everything better. She just handles life better. You know, when she puts a kid in timeout and then she talks to them about why and why they acted like that and why they're being punished. And it's very logical and fact based. And I do believe she would be an excellent detective. Yeah, I think so, too. I wonder if she's changed her career. I doubt it. She's pretty good at what she does. Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen her show in 20 years. Maybe she's been arrested for murder since then. We don't know. I feel like I would have seen it on Twitter. Yeah. Regardless, Mark Frost, we don't like Mark Frost. So they don't arrest Kevin. Instead, they go to Nona's mom 
Carol and they say, you know, Kevin, that boy that you loved like a son, he killed Nona and he is a sociopath and a narcissist. And so she, of course, believes them because they're the police. And they say, well, it must have been a personal attack. She had been stabbed repeatedly and hit in the head, like bashed in the head with something, a lamp. And they're like, it must have been someone that knew her very closely. And the mom said, yeah, that checks out. She wouldn't have let a stranger inside. So it must have been Kevin. Right. Do we find out exactly how she died? Stabbed repeatedly and hit in the head with a lamp. Well, we don't find out which one was the cause of death. They say the lamp was the cause of death. They did. Okay. I was trying to figure that out. There were also, it seemed to be we were missing a little bit of information about the actual crime itself. They weren't going into a lot of detail. And there was one very important part that comes in later that I felt like would be extremely important that we're told almost nothing about. Yeah, that's, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. One hour episodes. Sometimes they brush over things and then they spend a lot of time on things that I don't know if they should. It's fine. I love you, Dateline. This felt like a protection thing. Yeah, that's possible. Okay. Yeah. So the detective says the crime scene looks staged to him. Okay. Then he doesn't really seem to follow through on that whatsoever. They hold a press conference, the police, and say, don't worry, people of Russellville. We know who did it. Don't worry. We're not going to say who it is, but we know who it is. So don't worry. And everyone knows they mean Kevin. The local paper says Nona's killer remains free. And they don't name Kevin because they don't want to be sued. But they everyone knows it's Kevin. So Kevin's dad says everyone in town is talking about Kevin. And that's their first impression. And it's sticking. The killer is Kevin. Mark off small town gossip mill off your bingo cards. And then these bumper stickers that say justice for Nona exclamation point start popping up everywhere. And they justice for Nona to the townspeople means convict Kevin. And Kevin's parents are really upset because they love Nona too. And so it's like... It's like a slap. It is. It's a slap in the face because they treated her like a daughter. And now everyone's saying convict the son. And everyone's flipped on him. Right. So finally, the police arrest Kevin. And his lawyers say he can't get a fair trial there. So he's moved to another small town where they've probably still heard about it. So I don't think it did much good. The prosecutor in the trial says that the reason for the crime was as old as the Bible itself. Jealous rage. And they say Kevin visited her that day. He found a message from another person, like a message from a guy or found a used condom wrapper on the counter. And then we see that there was a used condom, an open condom wrapper on the counter. And Kevin went nuts from jealousy and he attacked her and he left his palm print in blood on the lamp. And the condom wrapper is probably what your question is, the thing that's being left out of the conversation. But I think we're just made to assume that what we don't want to have happened, happened. Okay, I just feel like it's really important when we get to trial. I'll bring it up again. Yeah. Because there's evidence that needs to be collected that they don't mention. And so I'm concerned. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then he left Nona after he attacked her. He waited all afternoon and then he came back with his mom and his friend at night. So he'd look like, oh, I had people with me when I found her. So obviously I'm not the killer. 
during the day, Kevin's mom testifies that he was with her the whole day and couldn't have done it. But the prosecution tries to make her look unreliable. So I have a better suggestion. I have a built-in airtight alibi right on my cell phone. At any time, at any hour, when any murder is being committed, I am undoubtedly playing best fiends. There's my alibi. I am not killing my enemies. I'm killing slugs with the help of adorable animated beetles and worms. I do it randomly throughout the day, avoiding talking to people at the drugstore, avoiding working, or avoiding my family. It's my number one avoidance technique. Best Fiends is the mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play, and it's perfect for playing for just a few minutes or several hours whilst binging Bob's Burgers. I am never going to run out or get bored because they're constantly adding new puzzles and new characters. I'm on level 2,545. Are you impressed? I'm not going to wait to hear your answer. And I'm in right now in a very wintry village and there's snow everywhere on all the fiends. And the big boss slug is dressed like some sort of demented Santa that is really fun to kill. (laughs) Join in on the best fiends fun and send me your player code so we can be fiend friends and send each other goodies inside the game. I love that people are constantly sending me their codes and it's fun to be friends because you could send each other little gifts. Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. It's a solid alibi and a fiendishly good time. <laughs> evil laugh. Insert evil laugh here. <laughs> Much better. Sorry, that sounded like the count from Sesame Street. One, one Best Fiend. <laughs> Terrible. Really quick. Did we talk about how his dad's name is Hiram? Hiram. Mm-hmm. What about it? I knew a Hiram. He was a really good piano player. Okay. I don't know. I was surprised to see another Hiram. Yeah. I didn't know it was a super common name. It feels kind of like a Jewish name. They were Mormon. Hiram that I knew was Mormon. Well, there you go. I'm wrong. Maybe it's a name for anybody. That you definitely don't see like a five-year-old in kindergarten named Hiram. No. It's definitely a generational name. Also, Hiram seemed a lot older than he was. Like Hiram was kind of an old soul. So sort of acted like a 50-year-old when we were in high school. Does that make sense? Because his name is Hiram. Also, sorry, the dad's, fa- the family farm. Hiram is a farmer, which also I feel like works. Yeah. Well, on The Walking Dead, the farmer's name was Herschel. That might be why I'm thinking of that. Okay. But anyways, I liked the dad. A lot. That's all I wanted to say. And we were, we're meeting him right now, kind of for the first major time. Kevin's dad is amazing. So the prosecution has the jury watch the part of Kevin's police interview where he's punching the chair because he's so angry. And they say, well, look how angry he is. And he's a violent guy. So Kevin's parents are super worried because the prosecution is doing a really good job. They had put up their family farm as collateral so that they could hire Kevin the best lawyers possible, which is amazing. They're like bankrupting themselves to pay for his attorneys. A plus family. That's incredible. The defense attorneys send a readout of his polygraph, Kevin's polygraph, who say the test was rigged. The questions were designed so that he'd fail. So that was it was a super shady test. And the palm print was there because he was going crazy, you know, trying to give her CPR and maybe turn the light on or, you know, it was right next to her body. So it's not that weird that he touched the 
lamp. Also, police did not collect all the evidence. They didn't collect fingerprints or blood samples or DNA on the blinds by the door. They have that empty condom wrapper and they went upstairs to the bathroom to look and see if the condom had been flushed, but they didn't test this handle seat, the handle of the toilet for fingerprints. So there's like a lot of stuff that they should have tested that they didn't. The door is what gets me. You didn't test the door to see if maybe someone or Kevin himself, but there was a third party on the door because obviously Kevin and Ryan's prints are probably going to be on the door, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you test around the condom wrapper on the counter? Any glasses that were out? They saw Kevin and then only focus. It's that full tunnel vision on Kevin. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really bad. And this is where the thing came in with the condom is how much testing did they do on her? Right. They don't bring it up at all. I feel like that's unbelievably important. Like fibers on her. Mm hmm. Absolutely. The defense decides to test the DNA on the condom wrapper itself because they never even tested the DNA on the condom wrapper. And they figure they're probably going to find Kevin's on it because they feel like if he was angry into a rage, this is the prosecution. They think he was in a rage. He saw the condom wrapper and he killed her. They think he would have picked up the wrapper in his rage, which I don't know if he would. Maybe. I feel like it's a 50-50 chance he either pointed at it, which you can see as easily as him going, what is this? And picking it up and shaking it. Mm -hmm. Either one works. Right. So the defense decides to test it and to see if anyone else is on it or if Kevin's on it. They test it. There is someone else on it. And it's not Kevin. It's another male's DNA that's not in the database. So they figure this person has to be the killer. And the apartment isn't messy enough that it was like, 10 days old. If the apartment had just had stuff everywhere, it wasn't that messy, you know? So it was clearly recent. Right. Oh, like a, the condom wrapper. Yes. Right. Possibly that day. So I don't know. Yes. So the defense plays the entire police interview for the jury where he's rocking back and forth and crying and it makes him look so much more sympathetic than just the chair punching. Kevin is terrified during the trial because he knows the jury is watching him. And he says to Keith, he says, just one click of a pen, one bite of your fingernail, any move that you make, they might judge it and take it the wrong way and make them think that you're guilty. And Ooh. that is just terrifying. Yeah, it is. First impressions. First impressions. Mm -hmm. That's why I like being on a podcast. No one can see what I'm doing and be like, what is she doing? Picking at her toenails? She's guilty, clearly. Guilty. I'm not saying I'm picking at my toenails. That's gross. But it's just. She totally is. It's just an example. She's got like this weird apparatus out reaching down like a claw <laughs> thing. <laughs> Keep hearing this weird crack, crack. <laughs> so, the jury meets with Keith. There's a guy wearing a matching Arkansas, some sort of college, Arkansas University. I don't know. I'm going to get so many letters, jersey and hat for his Dateline interview. But I still liked him. So that just shows he's OK. Because normally I'd be like, why are you wearing that on Dateline? So they were disturbed by the there was blood on 
Kevin, apparently, but he had tried to perform CPR on her. So that's not that weird. They were more bothered by the fact that the police didn't take prints on the glass door or footprints on the floor or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So they think the police did not do their job. And Keith says police claimed that they verified the alibis of all other suspects. And the Arkansas dude says as well as they collected evidence. And then all the jurors kind of laugh. And I was like, yes, sir. I like you. Was he fun on the jury? I feel like he was that guy. Every once in a while, he broke the tension with just a really good zinger. Totally broke the tension. And I also feel like they hate the lead detective, Mark Frost, and they would probably joke about him in the jury box and like in deliberations and someone spills their drink. They're like, hey, you really frosted that up, James. Oh, don't be a frost. You know, like I feel like they totally did that because they hated him. Or if somebody was being like a little harsh, they'd be like, "Ooh, it's a little frosty in here. Yeah. (laughs) They were being harsh on Kevin unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. No, I feel like if like they ordered sandwiches for lunch and then someone was like, oh, I didn't get my chips. And they're like, they're right here. How could you overlook those chips? Way to frost it. Yeah. You just overlooked that important chip evidence. They were really unimpressed. And I was doubly impressed that they were unimpressed. I was glad. It just meant they actually took a minute and thought about it and like really looked at the evidence, which mm-hmm. they that's their job. Yeah. They did a good job. They didn't go by their first impression and right. they thought independently. The thing that really convinced them of Kevin's innocence was watching him cry on that secure on that footage in the interrogation room. And they were very moved by that. So they decide that he is not guilty. Yay. Yay. But we're not done yet. Yay. So Kevin tells Keith how angry he was after he was released, saying that the police really didn't do their jobs and they didn't find out who actually did this. And that was what bothered him the most. Some people in town, most people in the town can't get past their first impression that Kevin is the killer. Nona's mom still thinks that he's guilty. And she thinks, well, if he didn't do it, why isn't he trying to find out who did? Because he's not the police. Carol? I mean, do you? Okay. Is he a PI? What? Why would? Yeah, I think that's what she, I think that's what she wants. Walking around town trying to take people's statements on like a tiny recorder. But no. People don't like him right now. They think he maybe killed someone. Unless she meant the police. Why aren't the police looking for who did it? Because they had tunnel vision. That's a really good question. Yeah. Why aren't they? Why didn't they do that at the beginning? And why aren't they doing it now? Because they thought it was Kevin. So even though he was found not guilty, they still think that's who did it. So and I'm not trying to be down on Carol. She lost her daughter and people go through a wide range of emotions there. So. No, but I think that if you, if she's pointed towards Kevin, I didn't remember that part. If she's pointed her upsetness like that, why isn't Kevin finding the? She needs to be calling and harping on the police. She shouldn't have to do that. Right. She shouldn't have to. They should be moving on and going back to the evidence and saying, hey, we didn't test this or this, you know, but mm-hmm. it's frustrating. But if she was talking about Kevin not going out to try to solve the crime himself, he does exactly that. So the day he's set free, he and his parents stand on the steps of the courthouse and they vow to do whatever it takes to find the real killer, which is like 
what every killer we've always had on. We remember we had Robert Blake and OJ and all these people. And they're like, it wasn't me. And they're never like trying to find the real person. And you're always like, huh, that's weird. Why aren't you trying to find the real person if you didn't do it? Mm -hmm. So Kevin's family is dedicated to find the real killer. And I don't think that's just because they love Nona and they thought of her like a daughter. I think that would be the way to clear him in the court of public opinion and be so he could walk down the street in his hometown and not have people think that he's a killer still who got away with murder. And I think also they love Nona like a daughter and they want to know who did it. So Kevin's dad, who is financially completely broke because of the lawyer fees, asks the defense lawyers for a favor. He says, I don't have any money to pay you, but we need to find the killer. Can you help in any way? So they get this investigator, Todd Steffi, who is a investigator, but he's he's a okay. He has all the jobs. He's a part-time policeman. He's, I didn't know you could be a part-time policeman. He's a part-time detective and he's a full-time preacher. There we go. Only in Arkansas. This may be one of those few cases where the man of the cloth is not the one involved in a murder. I thought the exact same thing. Which we were just talking about, where usually if there's a preacher or a pastor on Dateline, they are the involved in the murder somehow. Something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. But Go Todd is a, one of the good ones. Good job, Todd. Go Todd Steffi. Go Todd Steffi. Who's one of our closest friends. He's a Steffi. It's good. Oh, we do. We love a Steffi. Mm-hmm. So Keith sits with him in the, his church pews and talks to him. And he said, I always just wanted to be the ultimate good guy. So I was just trying to do all the good guy jobs. I feel like he also like is a volunteer firefighter and nurse on the side. Yeah, probably. So he says, I really want to focus on the condom wrapper and the other suspects that were cleared so quickly at the very beginning by the police. So Kevin's legal team and Steffi roll up their sleeves and slacks, Keith says, (laughs) and go through the trash of all of these suspects and get DNA samples. None match the condom. The preacher needs a lead or a miracle. And he got one. And I thought they were going to do, but they didn't. But you just did. And I did in my head. So when? Yeah. He's assigned with from his boss because he is an actual part time policeman. He's assigned to question a guy named Gary Dunn, who is a suspect in a local robbery. And he's talking to the boss, his police chief. And he's like, so who is this guy, Gary Dunn, that I'm supposed to talk to? And he's like, well, actually, he was one of the neighbors of Nona and one of the guys we looked at at the beginning. And so he's like, huh? Wow. And so this Gary Dunn was a neighbor of Nona. He lives right across from a tiny little parking lot. It's almost like an alley parking lot. Right. From Nona's apartment. So his bedroom window actually looks into known as bedroom window, but there's like a parking lot across from them. But that's how lined up they are. It's rows of apartments. And so she's in building B and he's in building A. It's like that. Yeah. Also, more importantly, he's another ginger. We have two. I I couldn't be more shocked. Two gingers. What's happening? And we get a third later. Is there a higher? Is there? 
is there a higher percentage of redheads in Russellville or in Arkansas in general? If you're in Arkansas and you're a ginger, reach out. Yeah, and let us know the stats, if there are stats on such things. I don't think there are stats as to people's hair colors per state. Do you see a lot of your people out and about? Are you like, oh, there's an, is it a common? Is that what you joke around? Like California is the sunshine state and you're like Arkansas, the ginger state. But like you do it jokingly. It's not like on your license plates or anything, but you guys just joke about it. But it's like a known thing. It's a known joke. Please let us know. This seems like a big coincidence, and I know you don't believe in coincidences, so I'm just saying it was surprising. It's very surprising. Yeah. So he had been questioned and cleared by police after Nona died. And so the preacher is going to dig in deeper, and he asks him for DNA, and Gary says, yes, sure. Mm. But to get that tested, the family would have to pay for the test and it's expensive. It costs like $600 and they are totally strapped because of all of the lawyer funds. But the preacher said, it's really important. I really have a good feeling. We really need this test. So Kevin's mom says, oh, shucks, it's only money. And I do feel like she said, oh, shucks. Like the preacher said she said, oh, shucks. But I kind of feel like she says, oh, shucks anyways, for real. Yeah, I think that was a verbatim. Verbatim. So they spend the money out of pocket to get this DNA test done. And it matches the condom wrapper. Ginger number two, Gary. Oh. Yes. Gary Dunn is matches the condom wrapper. Now, Gary had an alibi for Nona's murder. That's why he was cleared by the police. His alibi was that he was shopping with his mom that day. So the preacher wants to find the receipts that verify Gary's alibi. And for some reason, which it was not necessary, but it was a delightful added touch. Keith Morrison and the preacher are walking through a farmer's store. It took me too long to figure out what it was. I was like, are those sacks of soil? And then you see that the, some of the sacks, they feed on them. And I was like, okay, it's like a feed. That's a feed store. Chicken feed. Yeah. So they're walking by the stacks on stacks on stacks of feed and feed bags. And it reminded me of how I feel when I go to the grocery store and I just buy like the same rice that I buy every week, the same cereal that I buy every week, the same carrots. It's like just feed and I am at a trough and it's just like boring meal, one, two, three. And then the next day I do it all over again. I'm definitely in a rut with my food and I am just a feed animal at a trough. Katie, do you have any ideas on how I can spice up my food routine without breaking the bank? Please. I have a suggestion. That would be HelloFresh. Because with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh. So like from a feed store, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Yeah, it is. HelloFresh offers convenient contact-free delivery right to your door for easy home cooking for the entire family or for just you. The recipes are easy to follow, quick to make with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. Not saying I need pictures, but I'm saying I need pictures and I appreciate them. 
I'm saying I need pictures. I won't understand it otherwise. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less, which is incredible. You can also try their quick and easy meals, which are 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfasts on the go, or 10 minute lunches in the HelloFresh market. They're perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home without leaving your home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin for you meat eaters out there. I give a fig about that recipe. Not to be confused with the balsamic <laughs> fig newton sirloin that was mentioned earlier. That was the fig newton hockey puck that you need to throw in the trash. This is something delicious. The balsamic fig sirloin Something like that is over 72% cheaper than your average restaurant meal. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including veggie, calorie smart, family friendly, and even gourmet options. They have tons of variety. They have recipes like the Zingy Gouda Burger that makes it way easier to just skip the takeout. And Oliver and I have Trust me, certainly eaten our fair share of takeout, but our HelloFresh subscription has made me feel like I'm not missing out on takeout by getting HelloFresh. It's totally the opposite. And it sometimes takes less time to cook our HelloFresh meal than to wait for the high calorie, high sodium bag of grease to be delivered. And I'm actually putting something fresh and with nutritional value into my body. And I can look forward to getting into the kitchen more to learn how to make something exciting like black bean and poblano burritos. I love a poblano. So I'm very excited about those. I would try it from HelloFresh. Oh, yeah. And and you can trust that HelloFresh is going to be the freshest and the tastiest. Also, they're really flexible. They offer the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can just add extra protein or sides or change up the serving size when you have guests or double up on your favorite recipes. So if you find something you absolutely love, you can change your box accordingly. The box works for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week if you need to. Feeding the whole family or just yourself has never been easier. So what are you waiting for? Go to HelloFresh.com slash Dateline16 and use code Dateline16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. What? Love a gift. Don't wait. Go now. HelloFresh.com slash Dateline16. Use code Dateline16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Check out HelloFresh.com right now and find out why. It's America's and Katie and Kimberly's number one meal kit. In 2022, you can say hello to Fresh. (laughs) Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. Katie, is your town so small that the local preacher is also a policeman and a detective and a Keith Morrison feed store tour guide? None of your business. Then you might not have access to a good therapist nearby. BetterHelp can provide you with the virtual licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home. You can start communicating with the therapist in under 24 hours. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. Like when you slipped and fell in the gutter and all your friends started calling you Mark Frost. Your counselor can help you find a better retort than I know you are, but what am I? So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, states like Arkansas, where a first impression can be deadly. 
BetterHelp has counselors specialized in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, sleeping problems, LGBTQ plus issues, marriage problems, your whole town thinks you committed a heinous crime, etc. BetterHelp is easy, it's confidential, it's affordable. Contact them today to start living a happier life. It is a new year. It can be a new you as well. And now is the time to treat yourself to some therapy. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash dateline because we can all use a little better help in 2020. 22. It's a new you. Thank you, BetterHelp. From me and you. Excellent. Well done. And you know what to do. Oh, brother. Thank you, BetterHelp. <laughs> I could have kept going. There are other words that rhyme. There are. Did you want any more? No, I ran out. I was done. <laughs> I was actually done. I couldn't think of any more. And I was not going to assist. <laughs> you weren't going to assist. That's all you in 2022. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> The feed store has Keith and the preacher there, and the preacher has to find these receipts that back up Gary Dunn's alibi. More on that later. So he goes to the feed store, for example, which is one of the errands that Gary said he ran. And he has, there are boxes and boxes, stacks on stacks on dozens of boxes of paper receipts that the store has kept all these years. They do not have an electronic filing system of any sort. And they are afraid of an audit. Yes. So he goes through and they say you're supposed to keep your receipts for like seven years or something. And they have done that in spades. Maybe your paychecks for seven years. Maybe it's not your receipts. Unsure. I don't know. So I'm not going to Texas. So he goes through boxes on boxes on boxes to look for receipts. And then he finally finds the receipt. Gary and his mom were out shopping. It was on December 13th, though, not December 15th. Oh, snap. He gave them receipts for the wrong. He was out shopping with his mom two days earlier. Innocent mistake. Or deadly conspiracy. Look at you. Thank you. So I think that was another dateline, though. Deadly conspiracy. I think that's the mousetrap episode. It doesn't matter. You did it. Go ahead. So none of the receipts that he can find at all of these stores, he finds five receipts for all the errands they ran. They're all for the 13th and not the 15th. So he has DNA and he has no alibi for Gary. And he has a new prosecutor in town. There's a new kid in town. I don't know. Isn't that a song? Is that a song? I don't know. Oh, okay. No, I'm not sure. Unsure. I know there's a poem book called New Kid on the Block by Jack Prolunsky. And a legendary band. So, and KOTB. So, if you want to support, you know, so you know YouTubers ask dumb questions during, like, episodes where they're always like, do you like your peanut butter sandwiches cut square or diagonal? And it's no one cares, but they ask you that because it's it gets engagement. If there are comments, your video gets boosted. They have to get engagement. Yeah, exactly. Do you like squares or do you like triangles? Comment down below. They do it in a pretty good way sometimes. So it took me a while. Do they really care? And should I care what other people, how they cut their sandwiches? 
like I was watching one and they were like, do you chug your soda or do you sip it? And I was like, no one cares. But they, I finally realized it's for the engagement and then it boosts your video. And I should be doing that on Instagram. So basically what I'm saying is if you want to help support us, go to our latest Instagram post that will be about this episode, like it, and then comment in the comments who your favorite member of New Kids on the Block was. There you go. Or tell us what you know about a multitude of gingers in Arkansas. We've already asked the question. It was there. We're doing our own Dateline bubbles of questions during our episodes, if you catch them. Compare the number of people that live in Arkansas with the number of people that listen to New Kids on the Block. My question is going to get more engagement. Because mine's too thought-provoking and not interesting. <laughs> no, it's... But it's really interesting to me. Let's look up how many listeners we have in Arkansas versus how many we li- have globally. Let's ask how many of our listeners want to hear our respective Joey McIntyre stories and we'll leave it there <laughs> and be mysterious about it. Okay, press up. Maybe for Patreon, we can tell our Joey McIntyre stories. Join our Patreon to hear our Joey McIntyre stories. All right, let's go. <laughs> That's a good plug. We just entice people the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a new prosecutor and this new prosecutor definitely thinks we need to charge Gary Dunn with it. But now, will he be able to convince the townspeople there's going to be a new trial with someone else? Their first impression was that Kevin was the killer. Now they have to change their first impression and accept that there's another killer. So Gary Dunn goes on trial and Kevin's dad is there watching. And he's like, this is the guy. And the prosecutor says that Gary is sexually violent And his wife testifies that he was violent in bed. And in the weeks before Nona's death, she caught him, his wife caught him outside Nona's front door at night, just hanging around. What? That's terrifying. What the F that is so terrifying. And how did the first set of police officers clear this guy? I have. Okay, so he's married. He's married. So we're going to need to come back to this. Yeah. Okay. Because we're going to find out some more information that I'm I'm shocked that he's married. Yeah. I'm assuming he was separated by this point because his wife is willing to testify against him saying that he's violent and she caught him loitering outside of Nona's door at night. A young girl's apartment. Yeah. Yeah. At night. Who was later murdered like a few weeks later. Also, is loitering like he was out there with a bobby pin trying to get in? I don't know, but it was nighttime. Why is he standing outside her door regardless? Yeah, period. Correct. Period. And she didn't come forward either to the police. And when she heard that Nona was murdered, she was probably still married to him at that point. We also don't know what was going on in that house. Yeah, we don't know the situation. I think probably life was pretty rough for her. Horrible for her. So Gary has some smarmy attorneys and there's one that smirks at the camera. I don't know if you noticed every time he walks by the reporters outside, he's this smirk that I just want to smack off his face. Yeah, it's the expensive suit smirk. It's not great. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. So his defense attorneys say that the DNA on the condom wrapper was only a partial match and could have belonged to a million people. So they take away the credibility of that test. 
And he got his days mixed up when they asked him for an alibi. And that was just an innocent mistake. They say he gave them the receipts for his shopping trips. He willingly gave them. They just happened to be for the wrong date, which means a that the preacher did not have to dig through boxes, that the police had receipts the whole time. And B, the police were given receipts that do not match the day of the murder and did not look closely enough at them or brushed it aside or just moved on to Kevin when they were given faulty receipts for the wrong day. Boo, Frosty. Boo. I can't. So the defense attorneys say, the police should really have been looking at someone else for Nona's murder. In fact, it should be the guy they were looking at originally. He was on trial for this case. His name is Kevin Jones. He's also a ginger. They got the wrong ginger. It's a case of mistaken gingers. They got the wrong ginge. Mistake ginge. And Kevin's dad sitting in the trial realizes my son is being put on trial again, effectively because they're just pointing it right at Kevin, and that's who the real killer was. I'm sorry, Hiram. Sorry, Hiram. You're the, they say the first suspect was the correct one. They say his mom and Kevin and his pizza friend, Ryan, all gave conflicting responses and stories about what happened that night. All three of them are lying. Okay? don't Not Ryan. Not Ryan, my pizza man, and not lovely mom, and not... Kevin, and then they go for Kevin's grandma. Okay, here we go. Yeah. She can't be trusted. I can't with this. And the only photo we're seeing of Kevin's grandma, she has this huge corsage and she's with Kevin at a wedding or a prom or something. I don't know. She's cotillion. She chaperoned a dance. I don't know what was happening, but it was like she has a huge corsage and she's smiling. She loves her grandson. She was shopping with him all day and now they're saying she was lying. You know who is lying clearly is Gary's mom who went shopping and did errands with him that whole day, but it was the wrong day. Right. I can't. So they're saying all four of them are lying. It's not their client, Gary, that's lying. It's all four of these other people. Okay. Don't come for Nana. I don't like that. Yeah. No one likes that. Stop it. And then they bring up his palm print again and make that look like a big deal. And the jury deliberates for days and you're like, come on, get it right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wait, before you get to the jury, I have a question about the palm print that I'd like to ask the court of Kimberly. So when they show us the light bulb over and over, the light bulb is attached to the lamp still and the shade is off. Yeah. Every time they show us the light bulb is on, Yeah. Was it on when he touched it? I don't know. It would be very hot. Right. But he was, I think, just fumbling around and it was right next to her body, like inches from her body, because the base of the lamp was what was used to kill her. Was it in the dark? Was he in the dark with her or was the lights on when they came into her apartment? No, because Ryan said that the lights were on. So I think the lights were on. But we don't know if the lamp was on. We don't know if the lamp was on. I think maybe the lamp was on. So he had said that he had straddled her. So what would have been interesting would to see if he had had a any kind of a, a mark on his hand from the, the light being hot. You know? Yeah, I don't know if it would burn you or if I feel like it would just be red and it would probably go away within a few minutes. Don't you think? 
Oh, in a few minutes. Okay, because I was going to say maybe it would take a little bit for it to go away. So maybe at the police station when he was doing his interview, they know they took pictures of him. But this seems like he said he was straddling her. So maybe when he got off her because it was so close, he was straddling her to try to perform CPR, right? Yes. Maybe he was trying to steady himself to get up. And because it was the palm, first of all, he wouldn't have been hitting her if he had hit her with the lamp. It would be with the base of it wouldn't grab it by the light bulb to hit her. He'd grab it by the neck of the lamp. No, he'd be holding the post of it. So were his fingerprints anywhere else on the lamp? Number one, like he had touched it a bunch because this seems like he's trying to steady himself and accidentally doesn't look where he's putting his palm his to put his hand down and sticks it on the light bulb. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I'm hoping that that's what the defense attorney said in his case. Yeah, I would hope so. I don't know. But now it's really interesting because the prosecution who once went after Kevin is having to defend against why it's not Kevin and why it's Gary. See what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Well, here's another thing that I just thought of. The the handprint is in blood on the lamp, right? Right. On the bulb. So it would be after he had killed her. Right. That she was all bloody. It wouldn't be I mean, maybe if he stabbed her first and then she was bloody and then he grabbed the lamp to hit her, I guess. But it still wouldn't be on the light bulb. It still wouldn't be on the light bulb. Why are we playing these foolish games? They're tearing me apart. Okay, go ahead. So the jury deliberates and get ready to be torn apart. They're deadlocked. They cannot convict Gary Dunn. So the prosecutor decides to recharge him. And they go to trial again. So this is now the third trial for the murder of Nona. This time, the prosecutors are allowed to say that Gary was a convicted felon before Nona's murder. And we're hearing about this for the first time. Why weren't they allowed to use this the first time? I don't understand. Sometimes they say stuff like that is like prejudicial or not relevant. I don't know. We've had this conversation before. It's frustrating. We have. It's. It's very frustrating. So he attacked a woman in 2002 in the park. She was jogging. Her name is Kelly. And she was jogging during the day in the park. And Keith Morrison takes us to that park. He is sitting down on a bench in the park holding a giant stick. And he tells us that Gary attacked Kelly while she was running. He started hitting her with a giant stick. And she somehow managed to wriggle away. And then as she was running away, she pretended, this is so smart. She pretended like she saw someone up ahead and started screaming at them, help, help. So then Gary assumed someone was coming. So he went away. This is genius. So smart. It's so smart. I, that was so intelligent. Police come and they find Gary hiding in the water and arrest him. I want to know more about that. I need to know about the water hiding. Was he like trying to make himself flat like a log or like an alligator? I'm picturing like apocalypse now. He just appears out of the water covered in mud. Was he like Rambo? It's like, what was he doing? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. So he is arrested. He spent 18 months in jail. And when he was out on parole, he moved into the apartment across from Nona's. So this all happened months before her death. 
And his defense guys tell Keith, well, we just realize, you know, this is the hands we're dealt. We have to deal with it. And, you know, just don't make it worse. Do no harm, which is for doctors. But OK, whatever, smarmy defense attorney. Sure. Yeah, really. Seriously. And Keith says, but was the damage already done? Get it? Gary's last name is done. I don't know if you meant that, Keith, but that was well done. I know I had to cross out a title. So. <laughs> I know. I know that Keith stole my best joke. That's fine. The police know that one of their suspects turned in receipts with the wrong day. And they know that he had moved across the street from Nona when he was out on parole for attacking another woman. But they focused on Kevin. The flames on the side of my face. So now what would the jury think? So was he married? He was obviously married when he went into prison and she waited for him for 18 months and then came out and they lived together, right? Or did they get, did they meet in prison? What's the story of the marriage? Oh, was it love after lockup and they got married when he was in prison? I need to know. That's, I'm never going to know, but that's all right. That's a great question. And the new spinoff of Love After Lockup is Love During Lockup, which is about people that are, we actually see the falling in love process while the person is in prison and they're all scamming each other. It's pretty a mess. Are there any Dateline crossovers? No, because it's not crimes like what we see in Dateline, right? They usually pick fun crimes like bank robbery. Where people don't get hurt. Right. And like check fraud. Yeah, they don't usually. uh, There's a lot of drugs. They've actually had quite a few people on the show die, but it's usually drug related. And it's not always the person that was in prison. Yeah, they have had a couple of people die. What do you mean die? After they filmed their show or during their show. They've had three cast members die. Not that they were killed of like, oh, they come out and that's sad. That's rough. One guy just died. and I don't know what he died of. But he was not even the convict. He was the mark, as they say. The mark. He was being taken for a ride by a lady. And she got 50 grand from him at least. Yeah, a lot of money. We have one lady who is dating at least eight prisoners. And she has them all up on a whiteboard with photos and a map. So she can keep track of where they are. And when she has to send them pictures and stuff, she really likes dating people in prison. And they don't know about each other. You got to have hobbies. So she's actually doing the stuff that usually is the prisoners. Usually the prisoners have a bunch of people they're talking to that are sending them money. She's doing she's flipping the script. She's taking her power back. I'm into it. I'm curious about her. I love it. Yeah. So now it's what will the jury think? This is the third jury. Could their first impression that Kevin was the killer be undone? Keith is still leaning in in case you were wondering to the first impression. It's hard to not. It's hard to not. He sits down with this jury. They admit that they all thought it was Kevin going into it. Even throughout part of the trial, when the defense is really hitting that it was Kevin, they were thinking, yeah, I think it was Kevin. But eventually they say to themselves, you know what? This is Gary's trial. We need to focus on Gary's evidence. Forget about Kevin. And the jogger was beaten just like Nona was beaten. He gave a false alibi. All of this looks really bad. And the condom wrapper, his DNA was there. 
Now, one guy thinks that it's really weird that it was left there. He says, I feel like Gary was so smart to not leave a bunch of like footprints and fingerprints. So why would he be dumb enough to leave the wrapper? Who says that? This is the jury that's talking now, right? One of the jury. But I don't know what he's suggesting. Are you suggesting that Kevin planted it to frame Gary or Gary did it when he was having like consensual sex with Nona and then left the wrapper there? No, we don't know that he didn't leave footprints, etc., because the police didn't do their work to take that evidence down. So he definitely could have had his fingerprints all over the place. That's exactly what I was going to say. His base original statement is moot because they did such a bad job of collecting evidence that he could have left a ton of it and we wouldn't know. So they deliberate for a long time and they don't agree. And they keep doing counts and votes on it. And finally, they come out and you're like, oh, my God, finally, we're finally going to get it. And then the one jury member says we had to go out and we had to face Nona's family. And we were so sad that we couldn't give them closure. And I was like, are you kidding? Because I've seen this episode a million times and I've still blocked it out that once again, they are a hung jury. But every one of these juries has really considered the evidence that was presented to them and had reasonable doubt and came back accordingly. Know what I'm saying? Even though they're wrong. They're wrong, though. They are wrong, but they did their job. The problem is the prosecution didn't do their job. There was reasonable doubt on this. I don't know how they could have had less. I don't know. Or as Keith says when he's leaning like a T-bird from Rydell saying, A, like Fonzie, he says it was the first impression that it was Kevin that tainted it all. So maybe what he's saying is it doesn't even matter what the prosecution did against Gary because they still all had it in their minds that it was Kevin and that Kevin got away with murder. And I take back all the nice stuff I just said. I don't know. I'm just saying that's what Keith is saying. Keith is saying that's a large part of it. Keith's not ever wrong. And I'm often wrong. So I think. Keith was in that town and had his hand on the pulse of that town. So maybe he got a better sense of it. I mean, they admit they went into that second trial or the technically the third trial, the second Gary trial, still thinking it was Kevin. Well, that sucks. I know. And I did all these jury members. I really did. Yeah, so did I. I'm just really mad. So Kevin gets to go back to court, but he's not in trouble this time. He gets to go back to court because he is suing Mark Frost. Boo. I feel like Mark Frost needs those like Muppet booing, you know, and he's suing Mark Frost and others. I think some the police department for withholding evidence. But unfortunately, the statute of limitations has passed, so he doesn't get anything. And that's really a bummer. Mark Frost denies any wrongdoing and no one from that police department or Mark Frost appears on Dateline. Is Mark Frost still employed there? I would love to know that, but I don't want to look it up because I'll be sad probably because he probably is like police chief now or something. I think you might be upset. Let's leave. Yeah, this is like the Manitowoc County and they just the more things they get wrong, the higher up they rise. So Kevin moved on, got married to Another ginger. Our third ginger of the episode. I love it. Is is she a ginger or is she like a blonde ginger? She's a, Is she really a ginger? Like a ginger ginger? She, well, she dyes her hair red if she's not a natural ginger. I was shocked. I was shooketh and I had just had so many questions. So I know 
you think the new kids on the block question is important, but I feel like this one is also important. I think it's equally important. I just don't think we're going to get as many responses. I do think it's equal, more important, actually. I appreciate that. I think it's more important than the new kids question, but I just don't know how many listeners we have in Arkansas, but I'm excited to find out. So people could just say they were from Arkansas. We wouldn't know. A hundred people could comment and be like, I'm from Arkansas. I'm uh, from Arkansas and everyone in my entire elementary school were all gingers. And I'll be like, okay, facts. Checks out. Yeah, you do believe things. Don't lie to Kimberly, everybody. She believes things. Don't do that. That's not kind. (laughs) I do. So Kevin has decided to dedicate his career to helping people correct poisonous first impressions. He became a criminal defense attorney. Kevin, he's much like my Ryan Ferguson, my boyfriend, who has created a new podcast about wrongful convictions and is also on this season of Amazing Race. I'm really glad that Kevin did that. Good for him. Get for Kevin for becoming. And guess where he presides? He practices law in Russellville. Russellville. I can't. Where everyone still might think he's a murderer and he practices law there. How amazing is that? And he says he's made peace with the one person whose opinion really matters to him, known as Mom Carol, because she has finally come around and thinks that he didn't do it. And she says she loves him. And she was misled by the police department. I love that. That's the best ending that could have happened. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, no, the best would have been that known as resurrected, but. Right. Or Gary was convicted. Second best is that she got closure without having a guilty verdict. And I'm sure that Kevin makes sure she's okay. I'm sure he checks in on her. Yeah, absolutely. He tries not to care what other people in the town think, which I think is a great motto for all of us to live by. Keith ends with Nona Dirksmeyer, the songbird, the beauty queen, the girl for whom justice is denied, which is very sad. But then we get something I hadn't seen before because it's a where are they now? And you can tell that it sounds different because it's like Keith's voice kind of changes and it's like definitely tagged out at the end. But I had never seen it before. In 2018, Gary is arrested again for two incidents that happened on the same night. He pleads no contest to attempted kidnapping and indecent exposure. He's a monster and he gets 15 years. So at least he will be put in jail for something. The state, however, doesn't plan to retry him again, even though they have this new charge against him, which I think is a shame, but they probably don't want to spend the money. Can we go back really quick to the fact that he got 18 months for attacking someone with a giant branch? Beating her in the park. I know. To try to do something worse to her. I know. Well, it was his first attempt. It was his first getting caught. His first getting caught. I think first attempt, you should go away for the rest of your life. (laughs) I'm pretty unforgiving. Well, for something like that, that's incredibly violent. I'm unforgiving. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's dangerous. And 15 years is not enough for whatever he did. Whatever this attempted kidnapping, I'm obviously it's the same person that it happened to both things are the same person. It's bad. I don't know. They kind of made it. So I thought they were saying it was two different incidences, different people. I think they just say that that's how they talk about charges. But it's maybe it's the same incident. Oh, yeah. 
I can't. B-roll bonanza. Hiram's screwing something into a wall on his farm with a thing that I've never seen before. What is that thing? What's that thing? It looks like a huge drill, like a something that farmers have. Have you ever seen that before? I've never seen it. I don't know much about drills, so I'm not the right person to ask. Okay, but I I know a little bit. And it was like, it was a big silver cylinder machine. It looked like you were putting big Frankenstein bolts into something. Right, right. It was really shocking. Anyways, also, we get him walking slow-mo. This is kind of a B-roll <laughs> fashion police combo. We see him walking slow-mo from his tractor in like his regular day farmer clothes. And then the next time we see him, he walks slow-mo into the courthouse and his like duds. I like I liked that back to back. They that whole family dressed up great for court. Like Ke- Kevin would get a haircut. He kind of had a bowl haircut before. And then when he would go to court, it was like a sharp haircut. He looked good. I was say I'll save it for fashion police. I have some I have some things to say. Go ahead. <laughs> We saw Todd Steffi, the preacher, reading from the Bible. And so he got shots all over town, basically. And from his church to the feed store, we saw a lot of scientists putting samples in test tubes and looking into microscopes, which I think is on our bingo cards. Lots of beautiful glamour shots of Nona as well. Pageant pictures. So beautiful. Such a beautiful face. And then the crown sitting on her head. I wonder how many she won. It looks like she won quite a few. Yeah. She was legitimately a beauty queen. There was a slab outside the courthouse. Did you see it? I did. Did you see what it said? I did not. It said, greater no, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Oh, that's nice. That's what it said. And then it was in the shape of Arkansas. Oh, that's nice. That was a very, that was very sweet. We also saw the Arkansas flag waving. I did not see a water tower, but maybe I missed it. I didn't see a water tower. Usually we get a water tower. I had a quotable quote. Yeah. In the very first interview, when Kevin's being interviewed, and I think it's Mark Frost, he says, when did you last spoke with her? He said, when did you last spoke with her? Yeah. Who said that? I think Mark Frost. Oh. It's when when Kevin's in the interview room. Yeah, that sounds about right. Coming from Mark Frost. He sits in the chair and he goes, so when did you last spoke? with her. And I think he was about to correct himself and he didn't. (laughs) And I was like, you didn't know this was going to be on Dateline many years later. And I bet you regret that now. It's like when you're about to answer a question, you know, one way and then it comes out the other way. Yes, clearly it went off the tracks. He just didn't correct it and was like, oh, this is just a kid. He doesn't know. Like you're expecting to someone to say, how are you? And you're saying good. And then but it or you think they're about to say like, have a good day and you're trying to say thank you. So you say good you or something. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Mark Frost sucks though. Fashion police. Leather jacket. Best of the best. Heath leather jacket. Amazing. He looked great this whole time. So good. Gary Dunn is bravely wearing maroon, which is a choice for a ginger that he didn't pull off. Just going to say. You know what else he didn't pull off that rocked my world? We get one like image of him in the interview room. Did you see what his shirt was? No. Phantom of the Opera t-shirt. No. (laughs) I almost lost my lunch. I was almost tossed my cookies. Almost threw up on a cat. I was so upset. You share taste with Gary. 
I was like, what is that on his shirt? And I was like, no, no, surely not. No. Why? Should not my phantom. He's not a musical theater lover. Music of the night. I, I, why is he, I'm hoping it's just a shirt he got out of a rag bag and he doesn't know what it means. Cause if he knows what it's about, it upset, it's upsetting. Oh yeah. It's very stalkery though. Isn't it? It's very stalkery. Phantom. Yeah. He's totally stalking her creepily. If he identifies with the fan, I'm okay. We need to not talk about everyone's upset. That's what I'm saying. I think the Phantom is a horrible, creepy character. That's totally true. Okay, I don't need to know truths this early into 2022. Oh my goodness, you're right. And he's like, sing for me. (sighs) Don't tell me what to do, Phantom. I'm not going to sing for you. That's the point of no return. It is. You know he plays it loud. Yeah. Oh, I'm sick. Let's move on to this Kevin's serious bowl cut. Yeah. Which <laughs> is not noticeable until there you're getting shots from the corner camera in the interview room and he's sitting and this is when it becomes visible that it's a complete bowl. Uh-huh. It's all the way around. On his head. And you can't really see it when he's face on. It doesn't look as much like it. But yeah. when it's top down. Yeah. Full bowl. Full bowl. Like one of the three stooges. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? But that's what I think adds to his goofy appearance. Agreed. But he's not an unattractive guy. It's just not a great haircut. No. Especially if you're walking around town with a beauty queen. Well, bowl cuts are rough unless I don't know you're a supermodel and you're giving it on America's Next Top Model on purpose to be edgy. Like it's it's rough, right? Yeah. Mm hmm. And for those of us that had them, it's double rough. <laughs> it's, it's a rough memory. It can spark some things. <laughs> you felt tra- traumatized looking at that. I feel uh, we can all use some better help. <laughs> okay, good. Did you have fashion police? No, that was pretty much it. Do you have other theories? No, I think it's Gary Dunn. I think it couldn't be more clear that it's Gary Dunn. Yeah. Because I don't believe in coincidences and also there's DNA evidence. And yeah, it's Gary Dunn. So then we should just launch right into titles of which my number one is Gary Dunn it. Which is <laughs> the title. That just, that's it. I love it. That's so much better than any of mine. Mine are not good. Let's go. You only get one chance to make a first impression. So make it good or you're going to prison. Hey, that kind of rhymed aptly. That sounded almost haiku-y. That was good. That was excellent. What about your other one? First impressions, deadly conclusions. Was that it? No, you innocent mistake, deadly conspiracy. So I had that way wrong. But what, why don't you go ahead and take first impressions, deadly conclusions? Because that works. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. Why I wrote that wildly wrong. That's, <laughs> whew, keep going. Ginger red flags. I don't know where I was, because Gary had a lot of red flags, but also he's ginger. There has to be a better way to say that. And I don't have it. I don't either. Tale of two gingers. Tale of three gingers doesn't even work. That was mine. That's my last title. A tale of two gingers. But then it was three ginger. I didn't notice that she was a ginger. It was a try ginge situation. TGS. Yeah, that was all I got for titles. You didn't try to do Nona. No, I didn't. 
Nona, I didn't. Nona, more lies. N- Nona, nonsense, except total nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's what I wrote. <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin's bowl cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one ever. You won 2022 already. <laughs> I was trying to work it in. I was like, I've got to do. We need to talk about Kevin. And I was like, oh, no, we need to talk about that. <laughs> I know I used that one once before, but to not anywhere near the success level as you just did. So well done. Also, no hard feelings to Kevin and the bowl cut. No. We love Kevin. It's fine. And it wasn't noticeable until I did not see it until that shot. It's pretty noticeable before then. But <laughs> I don't know why I didn't. I didn't notice. And I was like, oh, oh, my. Oh, oh my. You're going to be guilty. There's, this is going to be hard. I Again, I am really glad that he did get full not guilty. I am glad because I think there was so much reasonable doubt in his case. Yeah. Oh, I do have one more title. It's actually my very, my very best one. What? A chance for Jeffrey. (laughs) Who is Jeffrey, you ask? Who is Jeffrey? Well, he's a Patreon, an amazingly generous Patreon of ours that has requested that we somehow dedicate a title to him called A Chance for Jeffrey because it's his favorite thing of all time. Is a chance for Jeffrey? Yeah, is a chance for Kaylee. What does Jeffrey need a chance for? I don't remember exactly what Kaylee needed a chance from, but <laughs> Jeffrey, you don't, you took a chance on us. You took a chance, took a chance, took a chance on <laughs> us. Sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry if you don't like erasure. That was inappropriate if you didn't. Was I thought that was ABBA. Or ABBA. But seriously, thank you so much for being an amazingly generous Patreon and friend of the show. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Jeffrey. You don't even need a chance because we needed the chance. We needed the chance and your tops in our book, Jeffrey. So thank you. I wish I had an episode with a Jeffrey. And hopefully this game of chance we call life will treat you well in 2022. (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey. We thank you so, so, so much. That is it, everybody. We are excited to be back. We'll probably have some more repeats coming up soon because of the Olympics, but hopefully we'll have some new ones too. And we are going to be doing the amazing race. I am going to be doing the amazing race with Kim from People Are Wild and Jody from Reality TV. And we are going to be on X Reads podcast again. Katie and I are. Yes, the grand finale of Trial of Magneto. And I'm going to have to brush up. I can give you a brush up before. I'm ready. I can run you through everything that I have learned because now I have watched all the X-Men movies, which don't come at me. I don't know if it's like watching the movies doesn't the same as reading the books. I'm sure it's not, but it's not as bad as like the discrepancy between the Harry Potter movies and the books. Is it though? I feel like it might be. No, I think it's in the same universe. I think the people that love the comics also love the movies. Also love the Marvel movies. Okay, so let's go with that. All right. That's good. Check out our Patreon. We do bonus episodes every month and we do movie watch alongs and we do live Q&A live streams and lots of fun stuff. And we have some new stuff coming this year, which we'll let you know about. So it's going to be great. Yay. Thank you. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And 
we will see you next week. No, we're actually going to see you on Friday for a double date. So stay tuned for that. Yes. We'll see you on Friday. Remember, first impressions can have deadly conclusions. (laughs) That took you a long time to get to that. I'm sorry. I could barely read my own writing. Be your own first impression. Being innocent. Sorry. What is the one you said? Innocent mistake. Deadly conspiracy. First blush. Innocence lost. (laughs) The early bird catches the Bugatti. That's what we're talking about here. Okay. (gasps) That's it. We're back and we're totally on top of it, guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everybody. Stay fresh, cheese bags. I'm not sure either, but I do remember her being like making all parents look bad because she makes it look real easy. And I'm like, I feel like it's not that easy, but she makes it look, no, you do this and this is the system and you mm-hmm. you do this schedule every day. I'm sure every parent that has her is like, why didn't I think of this? Because <laughs> I have a job, Joe, because I have a marriage that I have to deal with. Because I have the neighbors coming in trying to bring me casseroles every five minutes. I don't know because my kid is a delinquent and they think I need help. I have a lot of societal pressures, Joe. Because he might be possessed by a demon. That you're not taking into account. It's easy for the nanny to come in and only focus on the kids because she doesn't have other things to focus on. Very good point. I retract what I said earlier. I don't know why I was so nice to her. And then I flipped suddenly and now I hate Joe Frost. First impressions. There we go. First impressions.